Blog Talk Radio. Playing Sports City Chefs from Amazon Music. I got a wide range of stuff. I got a wide range of stuff. So, 
Since he already hit my pad, I got to start electrically off the top. I wanted to have a little conversation with him, but I can't now because now he got my, my juices flowing. So first and foremost, there's one thing that I was talking to him about in the green room that I am ecstatic about, and I'm happy that, okay, we now have a new crown champion of the diamond. The 2022 Houston Astros are now the world champions in Major League Baseball. Um the bad part about this situation was how long it took Dusty to finally get this elusive championship with him being in San Francisco with the Barry Bonds run and trying to help the Cubs get over the hump and this Steve Bartman era or era or error, however you want to look at that, that happened. And still to me, and I'm going to be personal, I don't like that portion of Chicago, whether I look at it being the North Side or Wrigleyville or Cubs fans alone. If you watch the documentary of what happened to Steve Bartman after that play, disgusting. But thank God that a championship came to the Cubs and they got that and they brought Bartman back. But that's that's a whole other story for another day. But Dusty Baker was there. He was a skipper at that point in time. And now with Houston winning a championship in 2017, Dusty wasn't there. But they dealt with all of the scrutiny of, you know, the cheating and people getting banned and suspended and moving from team to team to get a lot of them out of the uh, Houston area. And um, they built up that team as best as they could, at least with some of the pieces that they still had there. They still have Bregman. They still have Altuve. But they they put some pieces in play for this team to get this thing going. And um, they picked this up in Houston to kind of keep the doubters quiet. The one thing that I am concerned about was I hope there's no – dilemma after them winning this championship but i am happy for dusty to have gotten it done and uh he made a statement after the game well, of course he made a couple of statements or speeches saying that he thought he knew it would come sooner or later i'm finally glad that it came at this point because i think it started well when he got to the world series was 2002 with the angels up uh up against his giants at that point in time and it took two decades for him to get back to this pinnacle to win it so um Chandler, I'll let you set this thing off. Your thoughts on the game um, with Jordan coming up with the bomb. I, I feel like I'm giving it an understatement. And everybody in America, especially with the people that I know in Philadelphia, a lot of people that are National League followers and people that were actually thinking that the Phillies were going to get it done and push to a game seven, everybody. And I, I'm, I'm me included, I questioned the move from the skipper with the Phillies removing Wheeler at that point in time when he's actually pitching okay, and um, they they put in somebody for relief. He comes in and throws that pitch for your Alvarez, and Alvarez takes it not only center field, where you know this is a bomb where you got to get out. He took it over the the strike zone era, area, so where <laughs> this was a no-doubter, especially in Minute May, where everything you got to hit, it has to be high because all their walls are high. But, um, I mean, your thoughts on the game, including everything behind them winning this, everything. Chandler, your thoughts. Well, listen, Dusty been at this for over 50 years, not 20. Um, because, remember, he was on the Dodgers, two Dodgers teams that lost to the Yankees. Um, and then he was gone by the time the Dodgers actually won in 81. So Dusty's been looking for a World Series for a really long time. Um, I'm happy he got it. Um He's one of the he's one of the he Dusty is the last link we have to Hank Aaron. People don't remember, people don't realize that that Dusty played with Hank Aaron. Okay, he's the last link to the greatest era in baseball. 
when the Negro League players finally got in and started playing, which is the golden age of baseball. Dusty, the last link, the last link, active link to that. You know, everybody else has stopped playing. Dusty's still going. So I'm really happy for him. Um, Plus, he's one of the nicest human beings that you could ever possibly meet. Um, you ever get a chance to meet that man, man who's standing and talk baseball, just talk life with you. So I'm really happy for him. I hate Houston. hate everything about him. Okay? I hate the fact that they won. Also, I hate the fact that they have a budding dynasty. Because if you look at that roster, they're not going anywhere. The kid Pena is an absolute stud. Okay? They actually got better at shortstop. It was, oh, Correa's gone. Pena's better, <laughs> and he's younger and cheaper. You know, Bregman's still Bregman. Altuve's a horse is behind, but he's still a quality player. Uh, the outfielder, outfielders are good. The pitching staff, listen, they have seven, seven starters, not five, not six. They have seven starters. They have seven guys who could be in anybody's rotation. Okay, we said, well, Verlander might not be the next year. Okay, you still got Valdez. You still got Javier. Team is set up to be good for a really long time. Um, hopefully, Dusty stays managing. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if Dusty was like, you know what, I'm 73. I finally got it. Y'all good. I'm going home. Uh, but that team is set up for a long time. And, and the move, listen, Kevin Cash, Aaron Boone, Dave Roberts, um, the pulling Blake Snell. <laughs> this is the problem with analytics, is these managers are so consumed with satisfying the analytics department that they don't pay attention to what's going on in the game. Zach Wheeler has been a horse for Philly in the playoffs. He was a horse. If you're going to go down, go down with your best. Alvarez wasn't your best. He wasn't. Lefty on lefty, yeah, 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 yeah. Miss me with that. You leave in your best pitcher, and you live and die with results. And analysts, well, well why did you? Because you know what? Because this was my horse. I'm going, this is the hill I'm going to die on. But that's not what's happening. Instead, these managers are so consumed with satisfying the analytics department that they're taking pitchers out who shouldn't be taken out. So, Rob Thompson, this is on you, bud. This is on you. I don't want to hear about, well, we felt the matchup. It ain't about a matchup, man. It's about, in the moment, who is pitching the best. The best pitcher for that particular situation was Zach Wheeler. Okay? And you know what? Philly may never get back there again. Because let's be honest, this this team, this, Philly, this Philly's team, is extremely flawed. You got a bunch of butchers in the outfield. Your infielders are butchers. So you caught fire, that's great. You really think you're going to be able to do this again? Really? It's not happening. So that was their shot. They missed it. Uh, Rob Thompson, you know what? I'm glad you got, got the, the manager's title because in a couple of years you're going to get fired. Um, so at least you're going to get them checks for a minute. But they had every opportunity to steal this game. Rob Thompson, hey, you, you live and die with analytics, so you died with them, but I'm really happy for Dusty. Everybody else in Houston can kiss my behind, but I'm really happy for Dusty. Now, I know I know he's been in the game for a long time. I'm just talking about him as a skipper and especially getting to a World Series, as I'm saying, from the 2002 run 
when Barry and all of them started hitting a barrage of home runs and trying to see Barry get a ring, and it, and it, it eluded him. And then watching him leave San Francisco, however that went down, other they forced him out or he left on his own wheel. And then he went to Chicago to try and help them break that Billy Goat curse or whatever. And um, it would, that eluded him too, especially with everybody trying to blame whether it was him or Bartman, however that went down, it didn't happen. And finally he gets to Houston with all of the odds against them down there. Just like yourself, Chandler, and I don't even want to put you into it, but a lot of people across the league or the world didn't want to see Houston do well because of the scandal that happened uh, up against the Yankees at that point in time. So watching Dusty get there, just like you said, every time I've seen Dusty speak, a gentleman, a guy that you could approach in conversation, like things of that nature, it's like I want to see him get it done. And having to do it with this type of measure of the Houston Astros to get that done, and you can tell they were charged up to try to get it done for him. Of course, when they caught that final out, Bryce Harper hit the pop-up, they caught it. A lot of the players ran out there to go celebrate on the field. A lot of them stayed in the dugout to celebrate with Dusty. They were just beating on him and telling him just to let him know, like, we we did it for you. Like, there was a big amount of uh, players. Like, I, th- I think it's more the pitching staff, like a, like all of the rotation and relievers were all in there just jumping on him. They didn't even go out there and celebrate with their teammates. They stayed in there with Dusty to celebrate with Dusty. You could just see how happy he was. And, and just watching him get this done now – the big question that I have looms is, does he get back there with this team? How many pieces do they keep? And also the same thing that you said with Philadelphia, um, looking at them, yeah, they may have had, a, a you know, luck in the, the barrel, you know what I'm saying, or, or caught lightning in a, a glass, you know, things of that nature. But the Mets are good in the NL East, and the Braves are trying to bounce back after winning their World Series last year and got back to the postseason but fell flat. I don't know if the Mets are themselves next year because they may watch some pieces leave. They may keep everybody. I don't know if the Braves bounce back, especially all of the injuries that they dealt with throughout the season and made that storm the storm all the way back and then fell short the way that they did in this postseason. The Phillies may be right there in the thick of things. Who knows, especially while they got healthy late in the season, that may be the standing thing for them. Um, your, your thoughts on it before we do get away from it. I think it's going to be really interesting. Um, like I said, Houston's not losing a whole lot. Maybe Verlander, um, but their pitching staff is pretty much set. Most of those guys are under contract. Um, Dusty can manage a bullpen. Uh, position player-wise, they're set. They're not really going to lose anybody. So Houston is set up for the next three to five years when it comes to contracts, when it comes to young talent that's, that's blossoming and having a, a really good pitching staff. The Mets are interesting because we all know Buck is a great manager. We know Buck is going to have his team. If you give him players, he'll have his team in contention. But Buck has also never won anything. For some reason, Buck can't win. Can't win the big one. Um, so there's that with, 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 the, with the Mets. Philly I don't trust because it's Dave Dombrowski. Um, and he goes for the big, bright, shiny toys a lot of times at the expense of letting your young players develop. So I'm not a whole huge fan of his. In Atlanta, Atlanta's going to be there. So the, the National League East is going to be really interesting. And let's not forget that now that Mattingly is out of uh, Florida, um, that team can stop underperforming because if you look at the just the sheer talent with the Marlins, that team should be way better than it is. And I think that's a direct result of the fact that they just couldn't stand Don Mattingly. 
So you get a good manager in there. And with that pitching staff with Alcantara and, and Jazz Chisholm and all those kids that they have, the Marlins are going to be a problem in either next season or season after next. They're going to be a problem for a lot of people. So the National League East is going to be a dogfight going forward. But, yeah, I think the, in, with the West, with, with Houston, listen, I like the fact that Seattle is on the come, but that division is Houston's for the foreseeable future. Okay, and it and it's interesting to see. I don't, I don't. Well, we'll we'll agree to disagree. I I don't know if the Marlins could get a top. At least the first three teams that we mentioned, with the Phillies, the Mets, and the Braves. The the Mets showed me something different this year that they finally could get away from the month of May June. Like they always have a good start to the season, and then somewhere around April, going into May or around Memorial Day, something will happen to the Mets and they just start sliding out of nowhere. They actually stay consistent for the remainder of the year and have some interesting pieces there also to try to keep this continued. So I at least feel like the Mets will be in the thick of things. If, if Philly keeps that blood on their lip mentality, they could get back there. And, and like I said, I don't know what the Braves would do because they've been fighting through injury. Even when they won the World Series, they were injured too and in getting it done. So the Marlins, I mean, how many people they've chased out of that organization, including people in the, uh, the the front office with Derek Jeter and things of that. We will see. I think they have talent potential there, but not just yet, probably in the next two to three seasons, but not next year. So it is going to be interesting to watch the NL East. And like you said, I, I think it's going to be tough for teams to stop them. Like you said, the Mariners will be a team that I'm looking to consider to slow Houston down and or, or just to be a thorn in their side in that division uh, Oakland, who knows what's going to happen with Oakland. They're thinking about trying to move them if, or try to get them a new stadium, but I think they may end up moving to Las Vegas. Um, and they they were bad this year. They were one of the worst teams in the N- MLB. So um, And Texas, I, I, they got to get out of their own way as well. So it, it's pretty tough along the lines of the AL West and the Angels. Uh, I, Trout health means everything. And also another one is Shotani, um, Shohei Otani. Um, I know that they're going to try and give him a lot of money, but they're saying that they don't think he'll stay there because of the way that the Angels have been playing since he's been there. They have not been one of those teams that they're worried about getting into August, September and being primed for a postseason run. And I don't think he wants to sit there and waste time while he's younger in ML career. So we will see how this does go on. It's interesting to see how this does pan out, especially with things that Chandler said, like, there are going to be some teams that will be in the fray, uh, maybe the Cardinals. Of course, the Dodgers will be back around, or depending on how the NL West funnels out, uh, looking at the Giants, if they could get back into the thick of things, especially if Aaron Judge does leave the Yankees. He is a Cali guy, and from what I heard, I thought it was more or less he'd be pinned to go to the Dodgers. They said he might be pinned to go to the Giants. So that would be interesting if he were to leave the Yankees and go to the Giants and get a respectable deal that he likes to end up going back to California, too. That is something to watch from now until, like, February if things don't happen. But um, Cashman and them, they have their hands full. They got to get that thing to materialize soon. I I wouldn't want Judge to get any ideas of of trying to leave the building. No, he's not leaving that easy. Okay. Anything else before we get away from it, Chandler? No, I mean, I think it's going to be interesting, like you said, but um, uh, I just, you know what, I think that baseball, if they do this correctly, but I'll just check the Angels real quick. 
I'm so sick and tired of hearing about Mike Trout. Even when Mike Trout is healthy, the Angels suck. Okay? So the problem with the Angels is not, oh, Mike Trout got to stay healthy. No, it's the fact that the team and the owner is, is no good, and they refuse to actually get pitching. He likes bright, shiny toys. Otani is leaving the Angels after this season. So Mets fans, get ready because I'm about a thousand, I'm 99.99% sure he's going to the Mets. Really? Really? Let, let's see if Chandler gets yeah, this the, one right. The only oh, team that he, that is that is not he has a he has um with his new contract right. There are about twenty eight or twenty nine teams that he has as a no trade. The Yankees are one of the no trades. Would you like to know the team that's not on the no trade list? The New York okay. Mets. Okay. Okay. Who, who else do you have? It's, I think it's the Mets and maybe Seattle, um, but I'm pretty sure the Shohei Otani is going to go to the Mets. Oh. I know Steve Cohen will pay him. I know Cohen will pay him. Okay. I think he wants okay. to go to a team that is going to let him be who he is, and the Yankees are not one of those teams because the analytics department keeps messing with players when they come there, and they make them worse. So if I'm Otani and I'm looking at my career and what I want to do and still be a two-way player, and still pitch and still do my program the way I do it, I go to the Mets. Interesting that you say Seattle because they do have an interesting Asian culture there too. So I wonder would that be an interesting place for him to land? Um, uh, and I know he would end up getting paid up there for sure. Um, I don't think anybody would like try to draw back the checkbook on him knowing that not only is he a good or awesome batter, but this guy's a pitcher. And uh, he's doing well while he's on the bump as well. So we will see what the Angels do have done uh, within the next couple of months, weeks, years, if it does pan out that way. Okay, so um, I do want to get into Saturday's events, especially the top 25, because, boy, there is some shaking up in the Elvis terms in the top 25. So Friday night – Washington Huskies upset the Oregon State Beavers 24-21 as Oregon State is ranked third in the nation and moving right along coming into Saturday. So one of the big games, I don't even want to call this an upset, but the lower-ranked Georgia Bulldogs, who were ranked third at the time, beat the number one-ranked Tennessee Volunteers 27-13 in Athens. Um, I, I felt this happen. I don't want to just say I knew. I felt this happening. I felt Georgia had too many athletes on the field for Tennessee to deal with. I knew that this would be an uphill battle for Tennessee. Even though Tennessee did knock off Alabama, I didn't think they had what it was going to take to knock off the national champions, especially with all of the weapons that they do have. And finally, Seth and Bennett had a good day, not only throwing the ball, but actually running too. He actually had a scramble and picked up a, a big chunk of yards and a score also. But they did win this game 27-13 to to knock off the number one ranked Tennessee Volunteers. Things will be shaking up in the top 25, and it doesn't stop there. Moving right along, Ohio State survives their matchup up against Northwestern, 21-7. to This took place in Illinois, in which this was close uh, until late. Uh, Northwestern scored first. It was 7-7 at halftime, uh, 14-7 at the end of the third, and Ohio State actually put that score up in the fourth quarter to make this an unreachable game for them and being up by two possessions. Ohio State is – to me, somewhat questionable. I don't want to say shaky, but going toward the end of the season, they're having a lot of games where it's just 
you know, a hit or miss. But they are going to have to worry about Michigan at, at the latter part of the season. And um, they're dealing with people getting nicked up as well also. Moving right along, Notre Dame blows out Clemson. Clemson was undefeated at this point in time. In South Bend, 35-14, to 14, everything went right for Notre Dame. Everything went wrong for Clemson. DJ threw a couple of picks. He threw a pick six in his game also. Um, I, I think this basically put them behind the gun as much as possible, uh, especially with uh, a fourth quarter where Notre Dame ended up scoring three touchdowns in the fourth. In the fourth quarter, they scored three touchdowns. This is a huge game for Notre Dame. Um, they're starting to put it together late. Unfortunately, they, they lost so much. Well, not so much, but they lost a good amount of games in the early portion of the season, but they finally found their stride winning this matchup 35-14. to 14. Michigan wins their matchup up against Rutgers, 52 to 17, um, in which this game went back and forth early. Rutgers, I give you a stamp of approval. Um, you guys fought. A lot of people, including myself, I didn't think that you guys were going to hang around early uh, in this game. I thought Michigan was going to cruise and take care of business. At, at the end of the day, they did. Uh, they came out of that locker room and took care of business, winning this game by 35 points. I mean, they handily won it, but. In the midst of what happened in that first half, Rutgers had the lead going into the locker room. Michigan did not look back after that, scoring 28 points in the third and then finishing that off with 10 in the fourth. This is another shakeup. LSU wins their matchup up against Alabama, winning this one by a nail-biter, 32-31, to 31, in which Brian Kelly chooses to go for two in the overtime and wins the game late, 32-31, to 31, knocking off Alabama for their second loss on the season. Things that make Nick Saban go, hmm. The next matchup I have are the undefeated TCU Horned Frogs winning their matchup up against the Texas Tech Red Raiders 34-24, to in which this game also was going back and forth as well. Texas Tech had the lead early in this game, and TCU finally found their stride in which in the fourth quarter they put up three touchdowns late in that game. Oregon cruises in the Pac-12, and, and people, personally, I, I still will stand on that stamp of play defense in the Big 12. I mean, excuse me, in the Pac-12 and Colorado, I feel bad that they can't really find their stride or bring the athletes that they used to have back in the day. But they lost this game in Boulder, 49-10. to um, Bo Nix had a good day, 270 yards, 274 yards passing, two touchdowns as well. Um, but this actually helps them potentially move up in the rankings with the losses that have happened. Bo Nix is getting considered for Heisman candidacy. I don't know. But he's got them at 8-1 and one from leaving the SEC to be in their Pac-12 at this point in time. USC wins their match of 41-35 up against Cal Berkeley, uh, making this an interesting one that came down to the wire, in which Cal scored three touchdowns in the fourth to try to tighten this thing up. Just couldn't get over the hump. UCLA wins their matchup up against Arizona State, 50-36 to 36, uh, in Arizona. Texas wins their matchup up against Kansas State, 34-27. to 27. Texas will end up moving up after having a slow start to the season, but they're finally putting it together where everybody's healthy. Utah wins their matchup up against Arizona, 45-20. Penn State blows out Indiana, 45-14. Michigan State finally gets off the schneid and beats Illinois in Champaign, 23-15. North Carolina goes back and forth with Virginia. Virginia loses another nail-biter, 31-28. Oklahoma State is falling, and they can't get up. They lose to Kansas. In Rock Chalk area, 37-16, to 16, losing by three scores. Tulane, they keep rolling down there in Louisiana. They beat Tulsa in Oklahoma, 27-13. to 13. Pittsburgh is now 
beaten Syracuse, winning this game 19-9. Syracuse is now on a losing streak at this point in time after starting the season. 6-0, and they are on a three-game losing streak. North Carolina State wins their matchup up against Wake Forest, winning this matchup 30-21. to And to round out the top 25 for the weekend, UCF wins their matchup up against Memphis 35-28. to Chandler, your thoughts on the games? I know we talked about some in the green room before the show started. I do want to go back and forth with you on a couple. Your thoughts on some of these games in the top 25, or all of them, actually. Well, ain't no way in hell Bo Nick should be considered for a Heisman. I'm sorry. Um, there ain't no way in hell. All right? And the fact that Shadur Sanders' name isn't being mentioned is a crime. We start there. All right? But uh, miss me with the Bo Nick's nonsense. Because anytime he goes up against a team, a good team, or they got to win a game, uh, we see the real Bo Nick show up. So, but like I said, Clemson, I am so happy because there was no way in hell they should have been ranked over Michigan. They ain't beat nobody. They ain't struggled. And I think it's, it's – I give it about two more seasons before the whispers and the, the, the innuendo start with maybe Dabo past his prime, maybe time for Dabo to go. So I can't stand Dabo Swin. He's a he's – he's, listen, he's, he's a piece of crap. All right? And um, I think that, that that kid, the kid DJ, his confidence is, is really fleeting. And I think Dabo pulling him – Last week, it's really messed with that kid. Um, I don't, I don't think they ever really got the best out of him, and I'm putting that right at the feet of the head coach. Notre Dame, good. Marcus Freeman, like I said after the first three games, can we give the guy more than three games to figure out whether or not he's a good coach? Um, you're starting to see that the man can coach and give him time. Uh, Kansas, I really did want them to beat Texas because I can't stand the dude that coaches Texas, but it is what it is. Ohio State struggled, but that was to be expected. Michigan, you know, Rutgers always gives Michigan a hard time. I don't care how bad Rutgers is, they give Michigan a hard time. So I, I wasn't surprised that it took Michigan a while to put them away. Um, and, and dark horse candidate for a starting quarterback probably two seasons from now in the NFL is going to be the, June, the, the younger brother of Tua, who's a quarterback at Maryland. He's a much better passer than his brother. Um, I think that kid has a shot to be a good quarterback if he gets with the right team. But uh, the Tennessee-Georgia, I expected Georgia to win. I like Tennessee. I like what Heifel is doing. But I just think I thought that Georgia's defense would come for them, and they did. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do with the, with the, um, with the, the playoff selection committee nonsense. But there were some good games, man, that, that, and, and some teams that really kind of solidified themselves if they actually had like a 12 or 14 team playoff, this would have been a really interesting weekend because a lot of teams would have put themselves in position to be in that playoff. But I think for me, the 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 um the TCU, I think is interesting because I don't think TCU is that good. I really don't. I know they're nine and zero. I don't think they're that good. I think they're going to get bumped up and they shouldn't be. And if they make the playoff, they are going to get smoke checked. Okay, they are going to get smoke checked. I mean, if you look at the past couple of weeks, look at the teams they've struggled with. Okay, the teams they've struggled with are walkovers for any for everybody else that would be in the college football playoff. They walkovers for them, and you're struggling with them. So, um, I, I think that nine and zero is kind of a mirage with them. And wow, whatever what happened to Memphis, man? A couple of years ago, they were on to come. I don't know what's going on with them. 
And the Pac-12 is the Pac-12, but you miss me with the Bo Nick stuff. I don't want to hear about I don't want to see Oregon near the college football playoff because they're just going to get beat again like they got beat by Ohio State. But for me, the biggest takeaway is Marcus Freeman can coach. Dabble Swinney's a fraud, and I'm so glad Clemson lost. Oh, and listen, I know you don't want to hear this. Give the man more than one season, all right, before you start throwing the baby out with the bathwater. I think if given time and given the ability to, to kind of find his sea legs, I think Crystal Ball will be fine. Just give him time. I didn't even bring that game up because that wasn't a part of the top 25 because both of these Florida teams aren't in the top 25. UCF is the one that's ranked, not even Florida. Florida, Florida State, and Miami are not ranked. UCF is the ranked one. Um, Crystal Ball, I get it. This dude is supposed to be an offensive juggernaut type of coach. That offense can't score a touchdown. They went a game and a a third since scoring. Uh, they didn't score a touchdown in the whole entire Virginia game. They kicked off field goals and got into the overtime where they went for two, and Jay Garcia scrambled to the pylon and scored a game-winning score and didn't score a touchdown in this game where they got to the red zone a few times and turned the ball over. Um, the quarterback that they put in, he wasn't even ready to, like, access a snap and watch the center snap this ball way past them, like, there's so many miscues and nobody's ready for it. It's like a lot of these players are going to be with him for the next two or three seasons, and I don't see the turnaround, let alone the secondary's bad. They can't get back. Miami has so many bad issues in that game, like and Florida State exposed them. And the one thing that Florida State could have done and made this score look even worse, they could have went to that big target receiver. He's six foot seven. They didn't even try to, like, big ball them to death or throw jump balls at them and just get possession after possession. They were beating them soundly. Travis had, he, I think he went 12 for 15 passing. He only had three incompletions in the entire game. Everything worked. Everything worked. They were getting pummeled up front in the front line. They ran everything that they wanted to do in the running game, including the Miami having a, they have a good front four and front um, uh, making penetration. They had a couple, a couple of good sacks on Travis as well, but they could not stop the run if they tried. They ran everything that they wanted. That That's one whole thing. Um, another thing that I'm, I'm looking at right now is, the things that that make me go hmm with the Saban situation, this is an interesting loss to LSU right now. I know LSU was trying their best to get away from being under the thumb of Alabama. Alabama taking care of business the majority of the time uh, in that conference, and LSU was another team that figured them out to get it done. If you hear me and you're an SEC school, the way to beat Alabama is you have to be able to pass. Not say be pass heavy, even though that might work, but you have to be able to pass. You cannot just try to storm into the run game and beat them. LSU does run the ball, but they actually opened the passing game up, and that made it so difficult for Alabama, including the score uh, that forced this game to be interesting in the fourth quarter uh, right before overtime, the, the touchdown that went to Mason Taylor, Jason Taylor's son, uh, to force the, uh, the pressure within that fourth quarter. It, it takes the passing game to Alabama. Alabama forces their issue at the line of scrimmage. So that's the one thing that has me – up in arms. And, and the one thing that I'm waiting to see, Chandler, I like that you hit on it, uh, was the situation with TCU. Now, I get it. TCU has not won impressive enough, but they are winning the games on the schedule, similar to the way that you look at Clemson, too. I didn't believe with Clemson. I, get, I agree with you there. I don't agree with Clemson with their undefeated record at the point that they had before the game. I was stunned that Notre Dame beat the living crap out of them in that game. I think that Clemson is a better team than Notre Dame. Notre Dame has lost or suffered some games this season that they 
needed to play better, more or less looking for the words to say for that. But um, Clemson has played tougher talent than what Notre Dame brought to the table, and Clemson has always gone in the South Bend and had a tough game against Notre Dame. Notre Dame was ready. Clemson thought that they could walk into a Saturday and steal a game, and they didn't. And now we have to see what the committee's up to going into today and to tomorrow. This is going to be very interesting because it's going to be pretty topsy-turvy in the top ten. And, Tim, I just said that about Bo Nix. I'm not saying that Bo Nix is a, a Heisman candidate. I'm not <laughs> I'm not meaning that. I'm just saying that the, the credence that they're giving him of what he's been able to do in the Pac-12. But the Pac-12 and the Big 12, those are two conferences that I understand that they have some powerhouse teams there. I just don't respect them because they won't play defense. Like some games will turn into those type of games where they'll have a a defensive slug up a majority of times these these games are score happy. So good thing Bo Nix did leave the SEC to get like some breathing room. He's making it happen in the Pac-12. The one thing that would be interesting that we do have Mike in the building is if Oregon continues to run the table and they get to the playoffs, what happens if they do win a national championship and Crystal Ball just left? That would be incredible to see if that happens. I know Oregon won't, but I'm just saying it would be impressive if Oregon could push this needle as far as possible to put the pressure on people while Crystal Ball left to try to go to a fortunate situation and watch that situation actually get worse than what it was last year. The The Hurricanes are under 500 right now. As much as bad as I did not like Manny Diaz, Manny Diaz had this same team, same team, same player, same everything, above 500. And bowl eligible. They made a bowl last year, but I don't think they played. They didn't play. But bowl eligible to play. So, Chris Ball has two more games to win to be bowl eligible. I don't know. They have Georgia Tech this Saturday. We will see. Mike, welcome to the bunch. How are you feeling this morning? Man, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, lots, of, lots of recap, lots going on in college football, man. But thanks for having me. Okay, so your thoughts on the games that happened in the top 25 before we do get away from college football? Uh, first of all, Georgia showed you the uh, best defense that uh, Tennessee's faced all year. Not great weather conditions either. Bo Nix has done a really nice job at Oregon and has played better. That first game this year was uh, really rough against Georgia. Everything kind of fell right uh, for Georgia in that game. Uh, but he's uh, performed better than I thought he would um, at Oregon, though I would not put him in that Heisman Trophy race. I, I agree with Chandler's comment about Marcus Freeman really being able to coach. Uh, Clemson, I'm not surprised, man. Listen, that offense has been stuck uh, all year, and they had not really been able to produce, and eventually it's going to tell on you. And uh, too many mistakes, you know, uh, turnovers for touchdowns in this game uh, as well. So good win for um, for Marcus Freeman there with uh, – with Notre Dame in his first year there. And now, you know, uh, to quote Kale Sonnen and some other people, for those of you that have been tired of seeing uh, Alabama in the postseason from bad news, like, you're welcome. You're welcome. We uh, we, we took care of them uh, last night. A very, very good football game, a game that could have gone both ways. I've said this before. This uh, LSU rebuild, they still got a ways to go, but you got – you had a lot of uh, good performances from young guys last night, guys starting to uh, get some experience. This roster was pieced together with uh, transfers and some new recruits, too. Uh, they lost a lot over the last few years. But 7-2, uh, a win over Alabama, the first one in Baton Rouge since 2010. Uh, the 
the rebuild is a little ahead of schedule. It's still going to take some time. But listen, if LSU wins uh, one of their last two conference games, then they're going to be there and at least have a chance to play to represent the Western Division uh, of the SEC in the conference championship game. Uh, once again, a team playing with house money, don't expect them to be there at, at the end of the day. But, uh, listen, anytime you beat knock off Nick Saban in Alabama, and anytime you get a win over them, uh, it's a night to be happy in, uh, in Tiger country. And uh, so that's exciting. As far as TCU, still concerned with uh, not a ton of defense. They got Baylor, they got Texas, and then one other game, maybe Texas Tech or Iowa State, one of them. So uh, that's possible that uh, they might end up still with a loss before this year is over. Uh, Oklahoma State continues to uh, disappoint. Now they lose to Kansas. Uh, Kansas, man, has been a pretty good story considering where they were just a couple of years ago, firing Les Miles and uh, in the wake of all that scandal and being winless. Still no defense in the Pac-12. I mean, listen, even the USC's win, they still give up, you know, 35, 37 points, uh, something crazy like that. So I think Ohio State and Michigan are both winners this this weekend. Ohio State didn't look good, but you got two undefeated Big Ten teams right now, uh, you know, in that top four. So, uh, we, you know, we still got a lot to shake out over the next few weeks, but things kind of got separated a little bit. Uh, that top ten got shook up a little bit uh, after yesterday. But uh, it, it was an exciting week. Uh, day of college football, and I look forward to the rest of the season. Okay, so we will get into the thick of things for this week nine of events in the NFL. Um, top to bottom, there are a few buys that are going on in the league right now, but we will get to this, the games and our predictions and thoughts. The first game that we have are the Los Angeles Chargers coming across country up against the Atlanta Falcons, in which the Chargers are 4-3, and three, they're 2-1 away from Los Angeles, the Falcons are 4-4. Four and four. They're 3-1 and one in the Mercedes-Benz Dome in Atlanta. I will start with you first on this one, Chandler. Who do you like and why in this game? Chargers or Falcons? And the Chargers are favored by two and a half. I'm taking the Falcons because um, all of the Charger receivers are gone. Um, and last I checked, their, their head coach is still a clown. So I'm taking the Falcons because, I listen, that game last week against Carolina, that game was, man, that game was the truth. I love that game. But that Atlanta team plays hard all the way through. They're not, they're not that great. They're not that talented, but they play hard. Um, I like that. I like the fact that it seems like they, that coach actually knows what the hell he's doing um, compared to the Chargers coach. So you take away all of Herbert's receivers. We already know they can't really run the ball uh, on defense. They constantly stay hurt. Um, have Bosa and, and Mac played more than three games together this entire season? I doubt it because neither one of them can stay healthy. So I'm taking Atlanta all the way. Mike, your thoughts on the game, Chargers of Falcons, and why? Uh, I'm going to I'm going to go with. The Chargers, and I don't really know why the Falcons are uh, a team that I feel like uh, should win, but I feel like as soon as you start uh, expecting to, some of that youth is going to come out. So, uh, Chandler may be right, but I'm going to go with the Chargers. 
and uh, to find a way to eat this one out. See, this is the scary thing about it. I know Eckler is a good piece for Herbert at this point in time because he can run, and he's a good option out of the backfield in the passing game. But for them to miss so many receivers within this game, this is going to be pretty tough. I'm going for Atlanta to get above 500. I think they pulled this off and make this interesting. Herbert, prove to me that you are the real deal without your notable weapons that have actually had you above 500 at this point in time. I think this game actually puts you guys right at 500 at 4-4. Four and four. You guys are 4-3 and three at this point in time. The next matchup we have are the Miami Dolphins on the road still going into Soldier Field up against the Chicago Bears, in which the Dolphins are favored by four in Chicago. Mike, who do you like in this game and why? Dolphins or Bears? Mike, can you hear me? Yeah, my bad. I started talking on mute. I like the Dolphins in this game. I, I just think they they have enough. I mean, listen, that passing game is explosive. I think uh, the Bears' best chance of winning with, any, winning with any team right now is to be able to keep them kind of uh, low-scoring. And I think the Dolphins just have a little bit too much offensive firepower in this game. Chandler, your thoughts and takes on this game, Miami or Chicago, who do you like and why the spread is at four? It should be Miami. Easy. This should be a walkover for Miami. I'm taking Chicago because uh, I don't trust Miami quite yet. Um, I don't trust them quite yet. So I think they might be overlooking Chicago. I think they might be smelling themselves a little bit. We'll see. They should win, but I'm going to take Chicago. I am going to agree with Mike on this one. I'm going to take the Dolphins. I think that that Dolphins receiving core will cause fits for the Bears. The Bears are going to have to figure this out in that passing game. Hopefully the front four could get back there and, and cause two of that pressure and uh, hopefully, could, you know, do the best that they can to just keep them corralled. If not, if two was able to see those receivers get open, he's, he's hitting these guys. Um, they are electrically having a good season at this point in time. The Dolphins are five and three, even though the Bears are three and five. But I think they're doing good. They are two and one in Soldier. So this is going to be a game to get your popcorn ready if you are viewing that game. The next matchup they we have, I will go first. The Panthers are taking their talents into Ohio up against the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals are favored by a touchdown. I'm going with the Bengals to win this one, and I'll say the Bengals do cover the touchdown. Um, I know the Panthers have had shock value throughout the season. P.J. Walker is definitely taking over that quarterback uh, realm, and I think he's going to be the guy moving forward unless they select somebody out of college that comes to take his job next season. But I doubt that. They are actually high on P.J. Walker at this point in time. I, I, I'm still going to go with the Bengals, but I think the Panthers keep this interesting early. But I think that the Bengals will pull away like right around the third quarter and uh, – put their foot on the gas and get away with this. I know Jamar Chase and company are out, but I still think that Burrow has to get this game won to stay somewhat in the realm of that AFC North at this point in time, while the Bengals need to keep pace with the Ravens and also stay up there with the Browns while the Browns actually pulled off an interesting one last week. Uh, Mike, your thoughts on this game? Panthers or Bengals in Cincinnati? Who do you like and why? Yeah, I like Cincinnati in this, I think this is an interesting game. You just mentioned it. Uh, Jamal Chase being out, like that team definitely did not look quite as explosive a week ago. 
Uh, Cincinnati played poorly last week. Carolina played about as well as you could expect uh, for them. I think Cincinnati wins, but I agree with you that Carolina keeps it close. But I like the Bengals today. Okay, Chandler, who do you like in this one? Panthers or Bengals? The Bengals are favored by a touchdown. I'm, this one is just me picking because of, of my heart. I want Steve Wilkes to get a fair shot to get a head coaching job. So I'm taking the Panthers because I want them to win. Um, the Bengals, this should be a walkover. But two seasons ago, we were questioning whether Zach Taylor was fit to be a head coach. And then last year they got to the Super Bowl because they won a bunch of games. Basically, it was kind of 50-50, and the 50 went their way. And this year, we're back to questioning whether Zach Taylor is a good coach. So I'm taking the Panthers. Okay, moving right along. The next game we have are the Green Bay Packers on a four-game losing streak, sitting at three and five, go up against the one and six Detroit Lions. The Packers are favored by three and a half in Ford Field in Michigan at this point in time. Both of these teams are struggling. One of these teams I know very well that can't get out of their own way. Injury riddled as hell. Both teams in which the Packers actually have Watson, their big uh, rookie receiver, in and Alan Lazard are both playing. Uh, while both of them were game-time decisions, they both will give it a go going up against Detroit and Michigan. Uh, I'll go to you first on this one, Chandler. Who do you like and why Packers or the Lions in Detroit? Oh, I'm mad at the Lions because I still don't understand why the GM traded T.J. Hawkinson to the Vikings. I don't understand. Um, but I, I don't trust Aaron Rodgers at all, so – and I think De- DeAndre Swift, I believe, is active. So I'm taking the Lions. I'm taking the Lions then. Swift is available today. They said that he's going, and they said it may be limited. I need him to go full throttle because he's on my fantasy, and I'm sitting at 500, and I'm playing Barry today. So I got to get Swift to get going. So uh, hopefully they give him more than limited touches. But I-, I get it. They're trying to respect the player's health, which is cool. I, I respect that also. Mike, your thoughts on this game? Packers or Lions? This is taking place in Detroit. The Packers are favored by three and a half. I'm not even going to try to jinx you because every time I do pick the Lions to win, uh, they don't. So uh, I'm going to say both these teams are struggling, but I'm going to say the Packers win today uh, on the road in Detroit in a close game. This is tough for me because I <laughs> it puts me behind the gun. Normally, I would like even last week I was actually right going up against the Lions, uh, watching the Lions lose that game, which is unfortunate. Even though the Dolphins did give up what is it four or five scores in the first half, and then the Lions couldn't score anymore. But this is the one thing that has me against the gun right now. I can't picture in my head right now, and Rodgers on a five-game losing streak. I can't. I can't. This is what makes it tough. If the Lions force the Packers into a five-game losing streak, watch out for me, right? Right? Because, one, it's like the Lions finally get a win after them going on like a four- or five-game losing streak themselves. And, two, to stop Aaron Rodgers where I want to see what questions he answers now if he does lose to the Lions. I want to see what he tells the media. If it's the youngsters, the guys got to make catches or make plays. or No, you have to get some accountability. You've been dodging a lot of bullets for the talent that you possess. I'm not talking junk about Aaron Rodgers. I know how his, me and him and the karma works. I know how he always come back and bite me. But it's just, it's just something about him that he comes up electric in these games. We've been close in the situation where that fake 
face mask happened, and he ended up getting another play and threw the Hail Mary. They scored a touchdown. I've seen Aaron Rodgers do so many crazy things against us. This is a game where Jared Goff has to show up. He has to, because if not, and I agree with a lot of people that have come to me, I don't think Jared Goff is the guy for this job. I'm sorry. Um, For the potential that he has within the offense, I know that there's a lot of pieces that have been down, but there are plays that he, he leaves on the field. And not not only that, there's something that Chandler just hit on, watching T.J. Hawkinson leave. Um, for some odd reason, you and him couldn't make the connection, whether it was Hawkinson not being able to get the separation. That's one thing that I saw. Uh, and not being a big difference maker while they were considering him a top 10 tight end in the league. A lot of the games that he did not show that effort, but there's some games that he did have that going on. And the deal that they made within the division is extremely questionable. I 100% agree with uh, Chandler on that one. But um, I, the, the Lions have to prove to me that they can get it done. The, the secondary is going to have to stop the Packers receivers, especially with two big receivers, one six four, one six five, and Awarie and company. They they have their hands full trying to stop them. I'm going to go Packers to win this game and cover the three and a half. They have to prove to me that they are ready to play defense. Aaron Glenn, I'm sorry. I know that they love you up there. Well, not that they. I know Dan Campbell loves you. You are dodging bullets, and they're putting it on everybody's head, including the defensive back coach that just got fired this week because the defense is inept. It's not just the secondary. Packers win. Detroit proved to me that you belong in this game. I'm not I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. Dan Campbell has put them under the dirt, and um, I don't know what Martha or Sheila are doing up there. I don't know what they're doing. They'd rather see them lose and push toward next season. That's, that's incredible. The next game we have are the Indianapolis Colts going up against the New England Patriots. This is taking place in Foxborough, Massachusetts. I will go first on this one. I think the Patriots win this game. The Patriots are favored by five, but I think the Colts cover. I think the Colts will keep this interesting because this has always been a rivalry ever since the Peyton Manning, Tom Breeze, Tom Brady era back in, uh, what is that, 2000 when they started going at 2001? I really want to say 2000, but I'll say 2001, 2002 when Brady and uh, Manning started going at it right there. But I think this is a game where Mac Jones is going to have to show himself right now. The Colts do have defense. That's why I think this this spread is close because of that, because Sam Ellinger does not jump off the page at me at all. I don't think so. I'm going with the Patriots to win this game. I'll come to you on this one, Mike. Who do you like in this game, Colts or Patriots? I agree with you. I like like the Patriots in this game. I think the one thing – that Ellinger can do that Matt Ryan can't is he's at least a little mobile, which is good because this this line, which is supposed to be the strength of this team, has not held up. But you know, obviously, right now you got two teams that are uh, on opposite trajectories. As you know, the Colts struggling, uh, Patriots have looked to have kind of found a little bit of a rhythm over the last few weeks. So uh, I like the Patriots to pull this out over the Colts today. Chandler, who do you like, Indy or New England in Foxborough? So I'm taking New England. Uh, Frank Reich is buffing up his resume at this point in the game because he chose Sam Ellinger as his starting quarterback. <laughs> so um, him and his wife, they got they 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 fixing up the house so they can sell it. Um, Ellinger will be out by the middle of the second quarter because the other thing about him in college is you hit him, he gets hurt. So Matt Ryan will be back in his game, and this is going to be uh, just a get-right game for the Patriots. They're going to get right today. 
Interesting. So you think Matt, Matty Ice is coming back? He will be in play today. Yup. Wow. Wow. Interesting stuff. The next one we have are the Buffalo Bills going up against the New York Jets. This is taking place in East Rutherford, New Jersey. I'll come to you first on this one, Chandler. Your thoughts on this game, Buffalo or the Jets? And the spread is at 11. So they're thinking this is a blowout in Vegas. Oh, it's a blowout. It's a blowout. Um, You know, I have no use for Robert Sala. I don't like the fact that he's destroying young players' careers. Um, You don't use Denzel Mims. You don't want to use Elijah Moore, but you won't trade him. Um, So you just keep what? Holding him hostage? Brees Hall is out. James Robinson ain't it. And the more you rely on Zach Wilson, the more you see that you never should have drafted him where you did. Zach Wilson ain't it. So, yeah, this is a walkover for the Buffalo Bills. Mike, your thoughts on this game? Who do you like, Buffalo or the Jets? The spread is at 11. I think the Jets uh, had a decent draft. I think they've kind of overachieved this year uh, so far, but this is where you really meet the class of that division, and they get reminded that they are not it yet. Uh, they still got a ways to go. Uh, Buffalo wins today. I'm going with Buffalo, but sports I'm going to do this. The Jets cover. I think they won't get blown out. I think this is going to be a game that's going to be in between 7 and 10. I don't think they lose by 11, even though I think double digits will be considered a fair blowout. But I think the Jets keep this close because it's a division rivalry. And the Jets are here right now. And the crazy thing about it is Chandler may not like them, but I like Fallet. Fallet has turned that culture completely around with the Jets. They've gone into a hostile environment and beaten Green Bay. Even though Green Bay is struggling, they don't have the pieces that they want to have at this point in time. They got it done. I think that this defense probably may be ready for it, but their offense will be the question to keep up with Josh Allen in their offense as well. So I think the Bills will win the Jets cover with 11. That's a lot of points in a division battle. I don't think they get blown out this bad. Vegas is up to no good. The next matchup I have are the Minnesota Vikings going up against the Commanders. This is taking place in D.C., um, in which, in this game, the Vikings are favored by, I will go first. I'm going for the Commanders for the upset. I'm saying that right now. Vegas is up to no good. If this was an, any any other given Sunday, this spread would be higher. I could care less if they are in D.C. For this to be three, the way the Vikings that are playing good, and they got T.J. to be there, and they, I mean, they did lose Smith Jr., but at least they got backup Titans to go in there and do their job. They have way more weapons than uh, the commanders are going to be able to deal with. But for some odd reason, this spread has me just thinking Vegas has stamped this game to start cleaning up. I'm going with the commanders for the upset to not only just cover, to win this game outright. I think they're going to win and catch people by surprise. Uh, Mike, your thoughts on this game, Vikings or commanders in FedEx, and the spread is three for Minnesota. I like the Vikings in this game, man. I think that they're going to win. They're going to probably drop a game or two that they shouldn't at some point this year, but I don't think today is the day. I think Kirk Cousins goes back into uh, his own stomping ground and plays well enough to win. Uh, I think Justin Jefferson is going to be a tough cover for this Washington team today. And I'm just not sure. Though I, I think this team may be better with Heineke at quarterback than they were with Wentz, but we'll see. Uh, but I think Minnesota wins today. I do think it'll be a close game, though. 
Chandler, who do you like in this game, Vikings or Commanders? The spread is three in favor of Minnesota. I'm going to have a Heineke today. I'm going to have a couple. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have a whole 12-pack of Heineke. All right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm picking I'm picking the Commanders not because I have any love for Ron Rivera. I think he's trash. But because, listen, when has Kirk Cousins ever won a game that he was supposed to win? Give me one game he was supposed to win that he won. There ain't one. So I'm going to have a Heineke. Fair enough. The two of us against the Vikings. Wow, I thought I was going to be on that ledge by myself. Okay, moving right along. This is a very interesting matchup, everybody. Both of these teams sit with two wins at this point in time. The Las Vegas Raiders going into Jacksonville up against the Jaguars, in which the Raiders are favored by two and a half in Florida. I will go to you first on this one, Chandler. Who do you like in this matchup and why? The Raiders or the Jaguars? I'm sorry, what? Uh, the Raiders and the Jaguars, the Raiders are favored by two oh. and a half in Jacksonville. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I'm going Jaguars because last I checked, Josh McDaniels is still a head coach in Las Vegas. And I told y'all when he was hired, he was terrible in Denver. He was going to be terrible in Las Vegas. And why he got a second job is beyond me. So, yeah, I'm going with uh, the Jaguars because they have a better coach and a better team. Mike, who do you like in this matchup, Raiders or Jags? The Raiders are favored by two and a half on the road in Florida. He got another job because he's white. He's part of the Belichick coaching tree. Um, so, you know, that that gives you forgiving, unfortunately, and gives you another shot. Um, I still think and it could be fool's gold, but I still think this uh, Raiders team is still a little bit better than – then Jacksonville, I don't really like this game at all as far, and, and don't really feel comfortable about it. But I'm going to say the Raiders bounced back from that atrocious performance last week and win today. The, uh, the reason why I'm going with the Raiders on this matchup is because the Jags are trying to make their way back from the game in Wembley. I think that that jet lag situation does take effect. They usually have been giving teams the buy. The NFL does not care about that. They want to try to get teams used to that and flying back and playing that next Sunday. So I'm going to go with the Raiders to pull this off. I think Vegas is up to no good to catch people snoozing. But um, I I think that they get this done and at least start to make an effort to get toward 500. If the Jaguars win this game, I'm like Chandler. I'm I'm actually excusing Derek Carr because I've been beating Derek Carr far too long. If you know me, I've been talking about it for a while. He'll get the day off. I, I won't even pick on Derek Carr. All of my attention will be on Joshua McDaniels. You will not avoid the storm at all. I want to know what's going on with Derek Carr and Devontae Adams. These guys are supposed to be a tandem from college, and they have not made that step yet. You got Hunter Renfro, who was a monster last year. He is not effective as he was in that offense. And Waller, in and out of the lineup, like they, they have to figure their identity out, and I don't think they can figure this out, if, especially if they lose to a Jaguar team that has flown back from – Europe. I'm going with the Raiders until proven otherwise. I want to see how this goes down. The first of the four o'clock, we have the Seattle Seahawks in a division rivalry up against the Arizona Cardinals, in which the Cardinals are favored by a point and a half. So this is basically a pick 'em to me. I'll go first on this one. I think the Cardinals get this done 
um, while this offense is starting to build around D-Hop, getting comfortable, and also with Robbie Anderson being in the thick of things, too. I think they now have two big receivers that they have to worry about. If this running game could help complement this thing, I think Kyler Murray could get some yardage on the ground himself and also make some electric passes, too. I think this will be a shootout, though. This will be a fair enough shootout between Geno and Kyler, but I think the toaster will be warm today. I'm going with the cards. Um, Mike, your thoughts on this game? Seahawks and cards, who do you like and why? It's basically a pick but Arizona's favorite by a point and a half. I actually agree with you on this one. I like Arizona. I mean, I think uh, I just don't see Seattle sweeping them. I, I do think, obviously, Seattle has uh, exceeded expectations, and, and they could still end up, you know, seriously contending for a playoff spot. But I think that uh, Kyler Murray and the Cardinals win at home today. Chandler, who do you like in this game? Seahawks or Cardinals in the toaster. Point and a half in favor of the cards. Uh, I'm going with Geno Smith. Oh, it kills me to say that. Uh, yeah, I don't trust Tyler. I don't trust his coach. Um, I think that this is the version of Geno Smith that I saw in college that I rooted for. Um, and I, I like what Seattle's doing, honestly. I like what they're doing. I like how they're built. So um, if it comes down to choosing between who you who I trust more, I'm going to have to take Geno Smith and the Seahawks. Wow, that is very interesting. Okay. Um, did I go? If not, I, I'm going cards. I hope I said that. If not, I'm going yeah, cards. Yeah, you did that. You did that Okay, good. Okay, good. Thank you for stopping me because I was about to give another rundown. Okay, the next matchup I have, and this is the one, this is my game of the day. Whether you like it or not, I love this, though. The same scene of the crime from last year, the Los Angeles Rams are taking their talents to Tampa Bay up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, in which the Rams are sitting at 3-4. and four. They are 1-1 one and one on the road. Tampa Bay is 3-5. and five. They are 1-3 and three at home. This is an electric game because this is the game where Tabo thought it was so smart and and idealistic to call a corner blitz on the guy that's defending Cooper Cup. You let Cooper Cup run free? Caught the ball. This is a bomb, and the safety's running one-on-one. Thank goodness the safety caught him, and they still lost by the field goal anyway. But, Tabo, you get to redeem yourself in this matchup. Um, I'll go first. I'll go first. Uh, uh, Tampa Bay. I'm going with Tampa Bay. Tom Brady has to get this thing rolling. If not, and I feel like the rest of the world is probably picking Tampa Bay, but I'm going to go with the world on this one. If not, this is going to spell disaster for the remainder of the season for Tom Brady's potential exit or farewell season with everything that's going on right now, Um, in which a lot of people, you know, jump at me, especially when I talk about Stafford. But Stafford at this point in time, going into week nine, still, that's right, still has more interceptions thrown than touchdown passes thrown. And it's not like, oh, Stafford has like 14 or 15 interceptions and it's 10 touchdowns. No, it's like eight and seven. So he has eight interceptions and seven touchdowns thrown. It's something like that. And it's like, Stafford, get real, get it together. There's no excuse, especially with you and Cooper Cup and all of the magic and them saying, Oh, Cooper Cup's the best receiver in the game. No. All you did was force feed him. 
give him a lot of passes at the line of scrimmage, and that worked out for the, the run that you guys went on last year. I don't see that magic happening, even if he's open right there at the line of scrimmage. I'm going with Tampa to get this done, even though I feel like Tampa's secondary is going to have their hands full with Stafford trying to make a lot of plays in the air. But I, I think Brady has to turn this thing around. If not, they, this is disaster for Todd Bowles, Tom Brady, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, Mike, your thoughts on this game? Rams or Bucks? The Bucks are favored by three at home. You and I are on the same page a lot today. Listen, this is a, this is a not very good situation for whoever uh, does lose this game. This is this is a big game for both of these teams. At the end of the day, I trust Tom Brady more than I do uh, Matthew Stafford. And then you look. And that Rams running game is a mess. They didn't get things figured out with Cam Akers, didn't get him traded. So is it just going to be Henderson carrying the load? What does it look like in the running game? Uh, both these teams are have definitely had their struggles this year, but I just think Brady and the Bucks find a way to win today and at least go to four and five. And the Rams fall another game back. Listen, they have not looked very good. Uh, the last few weeks in the NFC, and I don't think they improved today. Okay, Chandler, who do you like in this game? Rams or Bucks? It's in Tampa. The Bucks are favored by three. And why? I'm taking the Rams because Todd Bowles is the head coach. See, when I trashed Todd Bowles when he was a Jet coach, everybody kept trying to say, "Well, McCagney, McCagney, McCagney." His first season with the Jets, he went, he went, he won ten games with the players from the previous regime, which was Rex Ryan. Then they got rid of all those players. And he went 5-11, 5-11, One of the hallmarks of those Jet teams was his defense was trash. Guys didn't play hard. Guys didn't give effort. I'm sorry. Oh, and the offense coordinator got blamed for everything. Fast forward to Tampa. His defense is trash. His players don't play hard. They don't give effort. And now everybody's saying Byron Leftwich don't know what the hell he's doing. Damn, I've heard this before. Todd Bowles is a terrible head coach. His players don't give effort for him. All you have to do is watch the, watch the game. Guys, don't try, guys do not give effort. Devin White, was it Devin White? That's the name, Devin White, right? The middle linebacker. He looks like. He's never made. He looks like he's never played football in his life. They can't cover. They can't sack. But it's all t- it's all Byron left with his folks. They're not running the ball enough. Your defense can't stop no damn body. But yeah, it's the, it's the offensive coordinator's fault. I don't trust Tom Brady because let's be real honest. If you ain't never gone through a divorce, you have no idea how much it messes your life up. Okay, I want to hear about compartmentalization. Kind of hard to compartmentalize when your heart's broke. Kind of hard to compartmentalize when your world has literally been torn apart. Okay, so miss me with the compartmentalization nonsense. I'm taking the Rams because between a broken-hearted and 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 a broken-hearted quarterback who's 45 and saying, "Damn, why did I come back here?" and a terrible head coach, that combination ain't winning nothing. Ain't winning nothing, and I'm so glad Todd Bowles is getting exposed for the terrible head coach he is. I really don't like Todd Bowles, so I'm taking the Rams. Very interesting. That, 
We will see. Like, like I feel like you, Chandler. Tabo's has to redeem himself after the, the call that he made last year that basically knocked Tampa Bay out of this. After the electric comeback that they had, there's no saving him, especially after that game. He's going to have to rebuild this situation. The last game for the evening on Sunday night are the Tennessee Titans that were waiting all day for Sunday night going up against the Kansas City Chiefs, in which Vegas has the Chiefs favored by 12 and a half in Arrowhead. Uh, let you go first on this with Chandler. Who do you like and why the Chiefs or the Titans? And do they cover with 12 and a half? Uh, I don't know what cover means. That means they got to lose by less than 12 and a half, right? Well, well, the Chiefs will have to win by 13. No, the Chiefs ain't winning by 13. Um, this is going to be a two-point game. And I am going to take the Titans. I think Malik Willis gives them fits. Um, the Titans always play the Chiefs tight. Those games are always close. And this is me hoping more than actually believing. But I think Malik Willis has his coming out party Sunday night as far as running and running RPOs. And I think the Titans win by two. Okay, Mike, who do you like in this game? Titans or Chiefs? The Chiefs are favored by 12 and a half. I like the Chiefs. I did not see very much from uh, Malik Willis in the passing game last week. Of course, Derrick Henry getting 200-plus uh, yards last week kind of negates uh, the need for some of that in some ways. But I just uh, I think that Pat Mahomes and that offense from uh, Kansas City is just a little bit too much firepower for this uh, Tennessee Titans team. Uh, I'm I'm impressed. I have to you know say going into the season, I didn't think this Titans team would be five and two uh, after seven games. So they have uh, done more than I expected with some limited options on the offensive side of the ball. They go as Derrick Henry goes. I expect Derrick Henry to be decent today, honestly. But I just think that a little bit too much firepower, and I think Pat Mahomes and Kansas City win, but the one thing I'm really careful of and, and leery of in the NFL is big point spreads. And Thomas, you and I told him last week that uh, once that game got up to 10.5, Green Bay might slide in the back door and cover that 10.5 uh, last week, and they did. It was right at 10 points, and I kind of think the same thing here. I think that Kansas City wins. They may even win by more than a touchdown, but I think 12.5 is a lot of points. Yeah, I agree. I I think the Chiefs will win. I think the Titans do keep this close. Derrick Henry will be effective in this game. I think he runs the ball well. I will not be surprised if the Titans do pull off a win. Whether Tannehill or Willis end up finishing the game, I will not be surprised because I feel like if Willis is in the game, he can scramble, be that 11th guy to make it tougher on the Chiefs' defense. If Derrick Henry's having his way, this could always be the rivalry that this has been. A lot of people don't know that this was always a game that always went back and forth between the Titans and the Chiefs. I will say the Chiefs will win at home. It's hard to win in Arrowhead, but I think the Titans keep this close enough to not lose by 12 and a half. If they do win this game, I will not be stunned. I will not. Believe me, I've seen this happen before. I know what Vegas is up to. The last game that we have for this week nine are the Baltimore Ravens going into the Superdome up against the Saints sitting at three and five. The Ravens are five and three. The Ravens are favored by two points at this time. Chandler, who do you like in this game? Ravens or Saints? Ravens, this is the week that Jameis gets his job back because Andy Dalton's going to get destroyed. Um, 
Um, hmm. Yeah, I'm taking the Ravens. Uh, Ingram's not playing. Somebody else is not playing. I can't remember the name, but two two big guys for the for the Saints aren't playing. Um, Michael Thomas. I know I know they've been winning with Andy Dalton. Michael Thomas has kind of been non-existent. Um, I just don't like Andy Dalton. I'll be clear. I don't think he's the long-term answer. I think that Jameis might finally be healthy, but I think this Ravens team is ready. Um, I wish they had gotten a wide receiver, but they have more than enough running backs in the stable. The defense is beginning to kind of play better. Uh, this kid, Mike McDonald, man, dude, you better get this defense together. But, um, yeah, I think this is the week that Jameis gets his job back, and I got the Ravens um, really giving it to the Saints. Okay, I agree with you. I think the Ravens go into the Superdome and make this a tough one for the Saints. I think the Ravens have to get going in this AFC North and not let everybody hang around, especially with teams like Cincinnati and Cleveland looming behind them to try to catch the lead in the AFC North. I'm going with the Ravens. Um, I think this will be an interesting game, but I think they cover as well. I think they win and cover in New Orleans to make this a tough Monday night for the Saints. Mike, who do you like in this game, the Ravens or your boys, and why? You know, this is a huge game for New Orleans. If somehow they could find a way to win this game and then they have Pittsburgh next week, this team could bounce back after that 2-5 and five start and maybe be 5-5. Five and five. Uh, But the one thing that, if you go back and look, the one thing that Andy Dalton has never been very good at uh, oh, real quick, I think everybody in New Orleans knows that Andy Dalton is not the long-term answer for this franchise. Uh, I think that they don't think that Jameis necessarily is either and that they're going to have to address this in the offseason. There is still a lot of talent on this roster. But if you go back and look, Andy Dalton's record in primetime games is abysmal. Uh, it doesn't matter, Thursday night games, Sunday night games, Monday night games. If it's a primetime game, like one of the big stages, like he just does not uh, rise to the occasion. Uh, Exhibit A would be the last time they played on Thursday night. He gave away basically – one of them was his fault, one of them not, but they basically gave away 14 points right there in the last two minutes of a half. You can't do that in the NFL. And this Baltimore defense is uh, much better than what you faced a couple of weeks ago in Arizona. So I'm going to go with the Ravens and hope I'm wrong on uh, Monday night. So, so we are at the tail end of the show. I need plugs and closeouts from each of you. I'll start with you first, Mr. Knight. Give me a plug, closeout, shout-out, anything that you like to promote as we close the doors and put the lids on the pots here at this brunch. I don't promote anything, but I'm going to just – a public service announcement to the Brooklyn S owner, Joe Side. Do you see how your team looks? See how professional and competent they look? Guys look happy. Guys are playing hard. Um, it's not about wins and losses. It's about guys actually giving effort. What changed? You got rid of the loser, Kyrie Irving. Eat the money, cut him, and go forward. That's it. You got, thanks a lot, guys. I had a lot of fun today. Of course, for sure. And um, that is another thing that they're going to end up probably, well, they're saying that they will end up trading them after the suspension. So I want to, my eyes are glued to this situation. I want to end up, I want to see where he ends up going. Do they send him to a competitor or do they send him to a team that's trying to find their way? Mike, you're 
plug, close out, shout out, anything that you'd like to promote as we close the doors here at the Sunday Morning Brunch. Man, get to the website, check out the blog, finger food, different things we got going on, sportscitychefs.com. Got shows throughout the week, the time of Sunday morning brunch on Sundays, NFL free-for-all on Tuesday nights at 9 o'clock Eastern time, and the college cookout on Wednesday night. Get over to Clubhouse. Uh, check out the barbershop. We are 14,000 strong and continuing to grow. Got a pregame room open right now. Have live watch-alongs through uh, NFL action on Sundays, college action on Saturdays, all the nighttime stuff too, and also cover uh, a lot of people talking basketball and other sports and, you know, life conversations, uncomfortable, good conversations, bad, ugly, all kinds of things uh, discussed in the barbershop. So come be part of our community, even if you just got a, a few minutes going from point A to point B, more exciting than any talk radio you ever get somewhere. So uh, come check us out in the barbershop on Clubhouse. Uh, also, PHIapparel.co for all your Philly clothing needs. I know the uh, Phillies just got bounced in the World Series, but future's still bright there. Eagles still undefeated. So, uh, lots of uh, things for Philly sports fans to be excited about. Don't forget, use that code CHEFS at checkout to get yourself an extra 15% off there. Uh, much love to you, TP, man. Without you, I wouldn't be here. Chandler, always a pleasure uh chopping up with you as well uh shout out to the other chefs that uh are part of uh what we do on this network and help us do the things that we do man and listen they're saying all over louisiana last night laissez les bonton roulet and uh crimson cry man peace i'm out of here City chefs is in the room, cooking up hot topics to put up on the spoon. They well in tune, blown like a flower in June. Superman verse, MF Doom, the clouds loom. So tell a friend it's the sports city chefs again. Pay attention, tune in, we on the set again. Tell a friend to tell a friend that it's the chefs again, and if they don't know, now they know.